welcome back to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I am catching up on my sleep uh, after a interesting week at the NFL Combine and always fun but tiring uh, several-day run there uh, on the feet all day long, going from place to place, trying to speak to as many people in the know as possible, along with checking out the prospects, and a a good a good trip, a productive trip, and a trip uh, I want to tell you guys a little bit about here on this episode of the podcast. I also want to talk about the Combine itself, and to do that today, I have a really fun guest, Trevor Sikama, draft analyst from Pro Football Focus, have spoken with him in the past, caught up with him the other day, asked if he could come on. He graciously said yes. So we just had an interesting chat about, uh, obviously, the, the rookie quarterbacks. What do we make of this group after being around them for a few days? We dig into all the speed that was on display uh, at the Combine this week, particularly at the wide receiver position. We also get into some other spots that Washington could be in play for, including linebacker. Uh, and we also dabbled a little bit into the veteran quarterback situation as well, since it does pertain to the rookies. So a fun conversation with Trevor Sikama, who you can find on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey, T-R-E. Um, this could be a, a, a week where we do three podcasts. I've been kind of sticking to two, but hopefully based on my uh, plan this week, it could be in line for three. I wanted to get this one up on Monday morning to have to give you guys something fresh after the week. So uh, hopefully uh, that will that will do the trick. Uh, of course, make sure you uh, subscribe to this podcast. You don't miss any of the podcasts that are going to come. Uh, you can do that iTunes or anywhere you do your podcasting, including on the Athletic app. Um, you can subscribe there, and of course, that means you also get access to all of my articles. Uh, I'll have a, a some combine recaps and plenty of free agent and draft content coming up this week. Plus I had a bunch up last week and you get access to everything on the site, including Dane Brugler's uh, entire draft uh, portfolio of work or whatever you want to say there. Uh, obviously Dane's one of the best guys out there for that. Um, l- let me just get to a couple quick notes here before I get to my conversation with Trevor. Um, there's always so many different angles to hit on. And as we all know, it's all about quarterback for Washington, and it's been quiet, right, in the overall market. As I'm talking to you on Sunday night, nothing has happened yet in any big way, and I think that's because the Aaron Rodgers situation is holding everybody up. It has felt like it's been trending in the direction of him staying in Green Bay. But over the weekend, we started getting some reports of, he is still wavering on what he wants to do. If, in fact, he he does want to leave Green Bay, that Denver would still be the team to beat. But there's maybe a couple other spots out there. I think by now we know which teams are looking for quarterbacks. I, you know, I'm still of the camp that Rodgers is going to stay. This was the position held by many around the league that I spoke with leading into the combine. I I don't know necessarily that anything has changed. I, I don't know if anybody would know if anything has changed or this is just a guy who's, you know, <laughs> he's he's using the, the form that he has where everybody's waiting on his decision and he's just, you know, putting it out there. Hey, I'm still thinking about it. Just hang in there with me. It sounds like we may get a decision early this week. 
So hopefully that happens. And when it does, on some level in either direction, we'll have a better feel for what the market looks like for Washington and these other teams. Um, Again, I would assume he stays. There was a notion uh, during the week uh, from Packers GM Bryden Gutenquist that nobody has actually reached out to to him to discuss Rodgers. I, I, I can't remember if I discussed this with Nikki Jabala um, when we talked last week. I kind of took it as a little bit of sarcasm. Others did not. In any event, I did speak to a general manager um, this week, one whose team would presumably be in the discussion for Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, at least theoretically. And his, his view was that basically there is no need to check in with Green Bay. Green Bay does not want to trade Aaron Rodgers. And if it comes down to that, then they'll have to obviously make some decisions and surely they have some contingency plans. But ultimately for other teams, you're just waiting on Rodgers to make a call. Um, so that's kind of where things stand on that. To a degree, I guess you could say the same thing with Russell Wilson. Now, I guess I maybe should have led with this. But I guess it shows how, what I think about this was that there was a report on Friday that I or, or the other day that I confirmed. Yeah, it was Friday that I confirmed that Washington did make an offer to Seattle uh, for Russell Wilson. I don't believe it went anywhere and the life moves on. Seattle was pretty emphatic at the combine, both P- at Pete Carroll speaking on himself and what he says. And I believe G- GM John Schneider I'm not sure if John Schneider spoke or Pat Carroll or Pete Carroll said what John Schneider is telling teams. In any event, they're just telling everybody Russell Wilson's not for uh, not 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 available. Now, I think if you make somebody a godfather offer, I think Seattle would consider it. I think that where they are as a franchise, they would have to consider it. Where Pete Carroll is at 70 years old, I don't think he's considering trading Russell Wilson at all. He certainly didn't speak like that the other day. So I don't put in too much stock that Washington reached out. Other than it's just a reminder that, as they keep telling us, they're looking at every scenario possible. I have been told about other quarterbacks as well that they have reached out uh, to from from sources around the league. But, you know, no real sense of any any movement around the league. But again, until Aaron Rodgers makes a move, we just may not see anything. And and then even then, what you got to ask these teams is, if you trade away your starter... What are you doing next? Are you accepting a rebuild? Do you have a contingency plan? You know, I, I don't know what a lot of these teams would be able to say on the latter part. And that's why it just feels hard to imagine that anybody makes a trade. But you never know. And, you know, I certainly think if, if Washington want to, wants to continue trying, this is the the trade route is the best path for them this year. And we'll get to why uh, more on that in a second. But I think that's where things stand right now. We're waiting on Aaron Rodgers. They tried for Russell Wilson. That didn't go anywhere. And now we're just kind of waiting and holding and seeing um, who else is out there. Um, the other point I would just make is that in terms of what the quarterback talk that I was a part of in um, in Indianapolis, a lot of it was about Mitch Trubisky. Uh, as much Mitch Trubisky talk, if not more, than on almost any of the other individual uh, quarterbacks in this draft Maybe that's a somewhat of a biased thing because I was involved in all these conversations and Trubisky to Washington has gained a lot of momentum, whether that's real momentum or just uh, an accelerated game of telephone happening. I don't know for sure. I do know, as I told you a month or so ago, that Mitch Trubisky would have offers, that Mitch Trubisky made sense here, that there was interest here. So I don't know if this just a matter of momentum being gained off that report or a couple other reports. And, you know, there was some notion about a 
some other connections with Washington previously, but that seems to be where a lot of things stand. I, there are people who I spoke to in Vegas or Vegas, uh, who I spoke to in Indianapolis, who absolutely think Trubisky to Washington would be a good move for Washington, relatively speaking, to the market that ta- that he's got athleticism, that there is some potential that maybe it just didn't work in Chicago because of the coaching staff and so on. Um, so I, I, but of course, not everybody buys into that. Some have have cautioned, hey. Trubisky, you've got to run some very specific offense to make it work for him. Or, you know, hey, he did have some good stats under the old coaching regime. So how does it go from he had good numbers with that staff to when things fall apart, it's on the the coaches and not the player. We'll see about that. And, of course, there are still other options besides Trubisky. It's not just him. It's Marcus Mariota. It's Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, one front office executive said to me, would be his choice. But that's because he was sort of a little more of risk adverse. And Teddy Bridgewater is the most solid of the guys now, but he is also kind of what he is. Um, so that's about the extent um, of that. Um, and just lastly, broadly, what is important about the combine is everybody in the league is together and it's a chance for the teams and the agents to get together and chat. They can chat about all kinds of things, including uh, re-signing their own players. The sense I've gotten from talking to sources is that I'm not saying that Washington is not going to be a factor in free agency, but just that it seems that at, at this point, at a minimum, and maybe in actuality, once we get to free agency, which the legal tampering starts March 14th, um, is that Washington is looking to keep most of their own guys and not definitively looking to make a huge splash in free agency, or at least I should say, not be a volume shooter, right? Um, and you know, Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew talked that that they intended to speak to the agents for, among others, Terry McLaurin and DeAndre Carter. Um, who else? Um, I know that there's some mutual interest in keeping tight end Ricky Seals Jones. Obviously, running back J.D. McKissick and safety Bobby McCain are two names we've talked about for some time, and Washington has stated an interest in keeping those guys uh, around. Uh, kicker Joey Sly is there, and and so on. Um, cornerback Danny Johnson is another free agent who I thought was pretty solid late in the year, but um, you know we'll see if, if he returns. I'm not sure about that. Um, Cam Sims was mentioned again by Ron Rivera, as well as Martin Mayhew in glowing terms. Uh, last week when I had Ron Rivera on the podcast, or it's not, not on the podcast, when I interviewed him for the website, he brought up Camp Simpson and said some nice things there as well. So it seems like at the moment, Washington is intent on trying to figure out which of their, which of their guys they can keep, but it does also seem like they're accepting that a lot of these guys are going to hit free agency. And then obviously, once that happens... To some degree, all bets are off. A lot of these guys, of course, won't have robust markets. But hey, if somebody gives makes an offer for a two-year deal, that might be enough for them to say, hey, Washington, it's been real. Um, especially if Washington is only coming back with a one-year offer. That's what we're going to have to see, I think, on some of these guys. Um, but that's where we're at right now. It's still, I don't want to say it's too early, but it is still a little bit early to have a good feel for where, um, where the free agent market's going to go. Again, the quarterbacks, <laughs> Rodgers and so on, will play a huge factor in 
that one. Um, last thing on the just to go back to the draft, and Trevor and I do talk about the rookie quarterbacks. Um, I, I thought that Desmond Ritter probably had the most interesting week of any of the top five or six guys. Um, his athleticism, he tested out best in that in, in that realm. He's already considered to be a really good leader among teams. And I always go back to when Ron Rivera talks previously about what types of traits he's looking for a quarterback. He always says, first off, it is the leadership component. Obviously, you have to make the throws, but can you be a leader of men? And I think Desmond Ritter does kind of fit that profile. Now, I don't think that means they would take him at 11, but I do wonder about possibly trading down. He may have pulled himself into the first round. Uh, part of me does wonder if they traded down, if he's not a guy that they would consider uh, for sure. Obviously, Malik Willis is the guy with the highest upside. Can he pick at the guy if you need somebody to play immediately? I don't talk to a ton of people, though, who feel that those guys or any of these quarterbacks are really at what you want to do at 11, but that doesn't matter. Quarterback's important. you got to have one. And if Washington doesn't feel ultimately that whatever they do in the free agent market is exciting enough, then they may have to dip into the rookies one way or another. Um, all right, that's it for for uh, for me. Let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus. A lot about options at 11, wide receiver. Would you take a linebacker at 11 or wait till day two? What about running backs? And yes, the quarterbacks. Plenty to discuss here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. All right, as promised, joining me here on the podcast, I literally had him on the radio on Friday night when I uh, hosted for 106.7, enjoyed the chat enough that said, hey, would you like to run it back? He couldn't think of a good excuse to get out. So here we are again. He's He, he covers the draft for Pro Football Focus. He is on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey, Trevor Sikama. What's with the Tampa Bay thing? Is that where you are? Or are you a Bucks fan or just you like the alliteration? So that was that was where I was from originally. I'm, I'm from just south of Tampa. And when I started my journalism career, I started covering the Bucks, And I worked for PeterReport.com. And so I was a beat reporter down there and uh, made my, my my Twitter handle at Tampa Bay Trey. Um, funny enough, my, I had a Twitter handle before that. It was at Trevor Sycamore, which is my name. And it got permanently banned because I was like tweeting videos of the NFL. Like I was just like recording games, like clips of games on my TV with my phone. And that right. was a big no-no for a long time. And so they found, uh, they found too many of those. And so I can't even get the handle for my own name back. So uh, it's just uh, still Tampa Bay Trey. That's hilarious that, that, that your own name is banned, but not something <laughs> else. Um, well, look, you, you, you know, you're definitely not banned from uh from this podcast so i appreciate the time we, we, we were we were both in indy for the combine we were just discussing some of the social scene there and how important that is from a networking perspective but ultimately from the football perspective what is happening inside the lines as it were is what matters the most of uh, so wanted to go through some of these things and get a sense from you what's different what do we feel different about now than we did before yes we'll talk about the quarterbacks but Hold that for a second. Um, it feels like if I had to pick us an overriding topic for the whole thing, it's speed, speed, speed. Whether you're talking about the receivers on Wednesday, huge uh, defensive tackle Jordan Davis, I think on Saturday, just today, a couple hours ago, Tariq Woolen, the six foot four defensive back, goes like four three one, and you could point to all other kinds of players and different sizes and speed and all that because of you know what your expectations are that stood out. From just from that perspective of the speed guys, 
whose speed do you think stood out the most to you in terms of like, oh, this guy's going to make a move now up the board accordingly? I think that, you know, when you look at guys who tested in the defensive back group, it's got to be Sauce Garner. I mean, I know that there are two guys who ran faster than him. Kalen Barnes almost broke the combine record, the cornerback from Baylor with a 4-2-3. Um, obviously, Tariq Woolen at 6'2", or 6'4", uh, running a 4-2-6. I mean, like, that's absolutely huge. But Sauce Garner came in with the tape, the stats, the PFF grades, that basically everything that you would want from a top-tier corner. And a lot of people had Sauce Garner as their, QB, or their, their CB1 in this class. Derek Stingley could throw him in there. Trent McDuffie, you could throw him in there as well. But the big question mark with Sauce is, okay, he's six foot four. He's 190 pounds. He's a bigger guy. He's got a long reach, longer frame. What's the speed? And he, he came in and he ran a four four seven. And I got to tell you, no, a four four one actually. I think the four four seven was the unofficial time, and the official time was even faster. So he ran a four four one at about six foot two, almost six foot three. I think he's going to be CB1, Ben. I really do. I think he's going to be the first cornerback off the board. I think he's going to go ahead of Derek Stingley. I know people like Stingley's tape better, but something that really worries me about Derek Stingley is the reason why he wasn't running, and that's the foot injury. You know, he had a Liz Frank injury that he suffered last summer. He was only he could only play three games because of it. Ended up having to get surgery after those three games because he was in so much pain. And Liz Frank injuries are tough. Even after you go get the surgery on it, there's no guarantee that the joints around your foot, the middle of your foot are going to heal the exact same way. And some guys have these Liz Frank injuries and they never get back to being the same. So I'm not exactly sure. I just think there's so many question marks around Derek Stingley that it opens the door for Sauce Garner to maybe be CB1. And I think that he claimed that title this week with a really great 40 time as well as some great measurables. Well, somebody noted he was walking around the combine wearing a huge chain that says Sauce on it. So that may have just clinched it. Uh, regardless, um, l- l- let's go to the back to, to the speed, but with the receivers, because they were the first ones to jump off the board. Everybody loves it. When, no, nobody ever really complains when your team drafts a receiver, unless it was that stretch of time when the Detroit Lions did it year after year. Um, you know, in Washington, people think they need another playmaker and thus should consider one. Well, I don't know if I agree completely, but I get the argument. And a lot, there's a lot of guys who are going to be in the range at the 11th pick, uh, a couple of Ohio State receivers. Drake London, uh, and and some others. Who for you at the receivers, whether it's a speed guy or just somebody else, that just for you, if you had the chance to get one, you would take? Yeah, I mean, so I, I guess it it's kind of different because there's so many guys that, that I'm really loving kind of coming out of this combine. But if you're talking about at the top of the first round, Drake London's the first guy that comes to my mind. I've really loved Drake London for a long time now. He's so dominant at the catch point. Bigger wide receiver. He's about uh, six foot four, 220 pounds. Some people give him the Mike Evans comp, but I think that that's silly because we shouldn't really compare anyone to Mike Evans. Mike Evans is one of those players who just has that extremely rare size to speed athletic ability. And so I, I, I wasn't there fully with the Mike Evans comp but maybe along the same path you know he dominates in the air uh, he's so competitive in his nature people again were, were questioning the speed and unfortunately he had an ankle injury this season that um, ended his season prematurely and also didn't allow him to run uh, so we didn't test we didn't get to see athletic testing which is really important for his scouting eval I think his final scouting grade we're going to hopefully see that at USC's pro day. Maybe there's a little bit of home cooking on the 40 yard dash time, but uh, <laughs> who knows, you know, hopefully he's in the, maybe he's even in the high four fours. And maybe if, even if people say, okay, there's a little bit of home cooking there with it, you can bring it back down to the four or fives and that's still a perfect time for him. So I think that's a really great uh, wide receiver that 
could be available in the top 15 of the draft. I like George Pickens a lot. I have him as my wide receiver too. I don't think he's going to, ha- I don't think he's going to go in the top 15, but I really think that he also had a really great combine. He's got great tape. He started since he was a true freshman, played really well as a true sophomore, got hurt right before his junior year this past year at Georgia and barely was able to kind of come on during their playoff run. But I think he's got all the, the, the tools that you could possibly want in a wide receiver one in the NFL. I think he's got dominance written all over him. So he's another guy that I'd take a look at there. I guess some other players that I'd shout out, Christian Watson is a wide receiver who I think probably is sneaking into the first round here. I think that he's going to be one of the top 32 picks. He's the wide receiver from North Dakota State. He's got a great blocking background. Uh, he, he's just so willing as an, as an all-around wide receiver. Ran a four three six at six foot four, two hundred five pounds, which is incredible. Had great jumps, both the broad and the vert that showed the explosiveness. I think he's a huge riser. And so, honestly, I mean, those handful of receivers right there are probably my favorite in this class at this point. But one of my favorite things about this time of the year, especially like right now, is the amount of players who are pushing themselves into the first round because obviously they don't change the number of picks. There's still only thirty two picks, but by the end of today, and not not to say because you just said that. A lot of people are saying that, myself included. There'll be we'll all have like fifty guys in the first round, and then right. somehow in a week we'll be like, "Oh, wait a minute, hold on." If I put this guy in the first round, I got to kick somebody out um, for for sure. What, what, what do you mean by Jamison Williams? Because you talked about Drake London injury, the Alabama receiver. You know, he's obviously a guy from an you know speed perspective. Everybody was excited about. Then he gets hurt in the playoffs, and it's hard to know exactly where he's at. It still seems like people want to slot him. Late in the first, I have somebody trying to tell me they still think you go top 15. That just feels aggressive considering all these other receivers, but yet doesn't feel like we penalize guys with injuries, you know, depending on what the injury is, as much as maybe we did a few years ago. Where do you think he kind of fits into this? Yeah, I, I do think that he is firmly still a first-round pick at wide receiver. I, I really do. I think that there's even a chance that he could still go top 20. You know, you look at the Cleveland Browns who are sitting there at number 13. I think they'd absolutely love him. The Los Angeles Chargers, if they're not going to go defensive line, Jameson Williams has got to be right there, especially if they lose Mike Williams. I think there's a handful of teams. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles that are right around that. They've got three first-round picks. They might take a flyer on him just because they've got the ability to. And so – um, New Orleans Saints, they're right there too. There's just so many wide receivers, I think, that are – sorry, so many teams that are picking in the top 20 that would need a dynamic player like Jamison Williams that would probably take the bait on him. And from what we heard his podium, I know he he probably wasn't going to say anything negative about his recovery, but he said that he was ahead of schedule. You know, he got the surgery and everything, and um, he's already kind of doing the, those standing catching drills. He's not running yet, but it seemed like the timeline for him might be around – when the season starts, maybe just a few weeks into the season that he might be able to come back and really help you. But I, I do. I think that as long as there's no setbacks, you know, they got medical rechecks at the combine. I didn't hear anything negative about him. So I've got to think that there were no red flags on his knee and everything was going well. So with that in mind, I really do. I think that Jamison Williams um, is somebody who, if he, if he would have run, he would have definitely helped out the speed uh, in this class even more than it already had. And I think that he's going to be a first round pick when it's all said and done. Last thing on receiver, uh, I got a bunch of people in my timeline or in my world telling me, hey, Ben, last year you always kept saying Washington should not spend a ton on receiver. You're always downplaying the value, you know, spending on receiver. And part of the reason I say that is, one, if I'm going to build a team from top to bottom, yeah, you obviously need a stud. But if I have a good quarterback, I can sort of go less at receiver. But the other thing, and then because the quarterback will raise the play of the other guys. But the other thing is, 
every year there's a ton of receivers in the draft. Washington's best receiver right now was a third round pick. And that's why I'm always like, I'd rather wait and take and, and dip into the, to the, to the pool uh, that that's later on. It feels like this year is no different. What do you think of this class when we get past the top, say 50 picks? And is there somebody that, you know, later on that you kind of look at and think, Oh, I kind of, that's the guy I would look at. Yeah. I mean, you're right in, in the sense that you're always going to be able to get a good wide receiver in even probably the mid rounds, like third or fourth round. I think that that's realistic every single year because you, know, you look at where football is currently. And, and when I say that, I don't just mean the NFL, right? When you look at high school football, so much of high school football is focusing on these seven on seven camps and, you know, offense, you, you spread offenses that are just catching fire throughout the country. And you see so many high school offenses become these passing juggernauts. And with that comes more wide receivers who are being trained and being used and honing their craft in high school. And therefore there's better wide receiver recruits and those better wide receiver recruits, they go into colleges and, Colleges are taking what kids are already good at at high school and putting them on the college field. And you're seeing so much spread offense, air raid stuff uh, in college as well. And that is now bleeding over in the NFL. We're seeing the NFL put three, four wide receivers out on the field very consistently. And so with that being said, there are just more good wide receivers now in high school, in college, and in the draft because of all that. So I think that every single year you're going to be able to get a good wide receiver in the mid rounds, but you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't totally say that that means you shouldn't consider wide receivers early. Like wide receiver to me is still becoming a very premium position. Sure. Uh, you know, it's it's not as important as quarterback. It's not as important as offensive tackle. It's not important as pass rusher. And it's not as important as like a lockdown corner. But I would put wide receiver like right after that. I still think that that is really important and can make such an impact on your team. We've seen, shoot, look at what Justin Jefferson's been able to do with Minnesota, right? They don't have Justin Jefferson. I mean, like they ain't even thinking about getting as many wins as they have. And so, you know, I think that you can see examples of that kind of littered throughout the last couple of drafts where just as there are examples of guys who have been kind of diamonds in the rough at the receiver position, there are also those premium picks that become these superstar all-stars who have really helped out teams ascend their ceiling even more. So I, I, you are right. You, you are right in the fact that this is a deep wide receiver class and it's probably going to be a deep wide receiver class next year and the year after that and the year after that. But you could always still use some of the best and the, there's a reason why the best get picked early. Um, all right, let's do some uh, comparison uh, shopping here. I'll give you a scenario. You tell me what scenario you like best. Well, thinking more for Washington in, in particular, but whatever, whatever floats your boat. Okay. Um, Ron Rivera has talked a bunch about getting uh, a Mike linebacker. Uh, Jamin Davis, he views not in that role, probably better outside. Would you rather spend the 11th pick in the draft, their first round choice, on Devin Lloyd, or wait till day two and take a guy like Chad Muma? I'd probably rather wait till day two. I, I am already a little skeptical on how high you take um, off-ball linebackers. It takes a really special off-ball linebacker, I think, uh, to be selected pretty high. I mean, shoot, you remember that Micah Parsons only went number 11 last year, and you can just see how good he is. And, you know, in the past, we've had Devin Bush go 10 overall, and we had Devin White go 5 overall. And, you know, I remember even when Devin White went number 5 overall, of course, I've got close ties to Tampa Bay. I remember a lot of people saying, damn, we love the player, but we don't love that you're taking a linebacker that early. And that's kind of how I view it. I think that Devin Lloyd is good. I really do. He's a good player. I don't know if he's this great transcending player. Uh, and I think the combine kind of 
reaffirmed what I thought with that. I didn't think he was an elite tester. I thought he was a good tester again. And so, you know, when you throw that on his tape and you can see that a little bit there, yes, he's got good field speed, but sometimes I think he shies away from contact a little bit. There are plays when he certainly uh, brings his hard hat and brings some physicality, but that's not every time. And so I, I would tell you that in that instance, I'd rather take a guy like Chad Muma and, or shoot, there's plenty of other really good linebackers in this class. I don't know how high Christian Terrace is going to go, but that's an example that I really like. Um, Channing Tindall, uh, Quay Walker, those guys from Georgia could all be in the mix there. So I think there's a lot of different linebackers that might be available on day two that you could go after as opposed to getting Devin Lloyd as high as number 11. All right. Um, I, I'm I'm of the mindset that Washington is going to look to add another running back here at some point. Now, maybe it's a veteran or not, but this is not considered to be a great uh, running back class at the top, but there is considered to be some depth. So if I tell you, you can take uh, Kenneth Walker, the Michigan State running back, uh, somewhere in day two, or I'm setting you up here, or Damian Pierce, I don't know where you think he is day three, but l- somewhere in the later part of day three, I guess, w- 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 he's a running back out of Florida. Which of those guys uh, do you take? I don't think you're going to be able to get Damian Pierce that late. I really don't. I've, you know, I've. But where I've do you think he's going? I've, I've interviewed him and talked to him multiple times. Um, I think his tape is in his physicality. His tape is is something that coaches will love. Uh, I think they'll absolutely love his heart and how genuine he is and how great he's going to be in the locker room. I think Damian Pierce is going on day two. I think he's going to be a third. Oh, okay. I really do. I don't think that he's going to be a second round pick, but I do think because of what you mentioned, it's not a great running back class. So I think the teams are probably going to look at Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker as the top two running backs in this class. And once they're off the board, it's kind of a free for all. It's kind of like a, okay, we need more of a third down back receiver. So we might take a Kyron Williams, or if we want a pass catching running back, we might take a James cook or something like that. But there are other teams who are just going to be like, uh, we want to upgrade the running back room. And it is very well possible that Damian Pierce is RB3 off the board. I, I really think that that's a possibility given this current running back class. And so uh, if, if I switched it a little bit and said like, okay, Kenneth Walker in the second or like Pierre Strong or something on day three, I'd probably go with like a Pierre Strong. I'd probably go with the later round guy. I guess I would have to think about where they're selecting and who we might get and how fast a running back run would go. But I'm thinking in my head that the running back, I don't think the running back run in the draft is going to come super fast. So I think you're still going to be able to get some really good guys, whether it's, you know, Brian Robinson or Pierre Strong or uh, shoot, maybe Tyler Algier, a Tyler Beatty, like something like that around rounds four or five, as opposed to having to spend a second round pick on uh, Kenneth Walker. I love Kenneth Walker. I think he's really good, but I don't love the idea of that as much as I love some of the other running backs who could be really great gems for you, especially for Washington when they have Antonio Gibson already. Yeah. I, yeah, I've talked about before. I just think between his fumbles and the injury that they, I think, and if they don't have a great quarterback, they want to lean on the running game and also not have to overwork him. And I think that's why they may look to bring somebody else in. But that aside, we have, I mentioned quarterbacks. Let's go to this. All right. You can either A, I understand they could do both of these things, but that's not the choice I'm giving you. You get okay. to either do as A, you pick any quarterback you want at 11. We're saying they're all on the board. Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, anybody you want. Or the free agent market is guys like Mitch Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, Teddy Bridgewater. It's either you pick one of those three guys or you take one of these guys at 11. And the variable here is 
obviously there's more fun taking the rookie, but are they worth the 11th pick? Whereas the veteran, no matter what he is, it's just money. It doesn't really mean that much. So what, which way would you go? Cause we're basically asking you, what do you think of this QB class? To answer the question, I would, I would tell you to sign a free agent. I would tell you to go get Marcus Mariota or Teddy Bridgewater or uh, Mitch Trubisky or something. I would tell you to go sign one of these guys for a one-year deal and see what happens. Now, I know Washington Commander fans probably don't love the idea of that, um, but I don't think they'd love the idea of any of these quarterbacks at 11 either. There's a lot of buzz around Malik Willis, but Malik Willis, I, I, I don't think Malik Willis is ready. Nothing from what we saw at Liberty makes me think he's ready. Now, does that mean that like he can't figure it out or that he doesn't have a super high ceiling? No, I think he does. But I think Malik is still probably a good two seasons away from that being the case. And does Washington, would Washington have the patience for him to even be good? You know, some people go, oh, well, look what happened with Josh Allen. And I'm going to stop you right there. Don't compare people to Josh Allen. Go watch Josh Allen's highlights at Wyoming. They're unbelievable. I mean, the arm that this dude had coming out of college into the NFL was unmatched. Nobody has the arm talent that Josh Allen does. Malik Willis isn't the same. He's got a good arm, but it's not like this rare, unprecedented Josh Allen arm talent. So I don't even know if he gets that big of the big of he. I don't know if he gets that big of the benefit of the doubt when it comes to when he struggles early, if he starts early, are you going to continue to ride with him? Are you going to give up on him? Something like that. Um, so that's kind of where I am with it. I don't really love any quarterback at number 11. I'd probably rather punt until next year and kind of see what happens from there. Yeah. And this is the, this is the problem that they're facing. This is why like a, like a month or so ago, I started telling people, Hey, stop making fun of Jimmy Garoppolo and Mitch Trubisky. Cause if you're lucky, that's who Washington at least have a, has a shot at because nobody seems to love these rookies. The one thing the rookie gives you is hope. And if you're the head coach whose job could potentially be in jeopardy, if you have another losing season is time, um, which is why I still imagine they probably come away with a quarterback. So let's just say for argument's sake, they do get one of those vets at 11 vets in free agency. And then at 11 say, Hey, New Orleans at 18 Pittsburgh at 20. If you guys love Trubisky or sorry, if you love Willis or Pickett, We'll trade. You can trade up with us. We'll trade back, get more stuff, and then maybe Washington takes a quarterback there. Um, there's that game, the uh, the the uh, f Mary kill. We'll 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 play we'll play some version of that with this, but without that. So instead of we'll, we'll go with draft, uh, maybe and punt. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. So, so between the other guys who are sort of at the bottom there, if we trade down, Sam Howell, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, draft, maybe punt. <sighs> I think I'm drafting Matt Corral. Um, I'm a maybe on Sam Howell, and then I'm punting on Desmond Ritter. I I just I, I don't love Desmond Ritter. I, I really don't. When I look at him, I still think that he has accuracy issues. I still think he's late on a little bit of stuff. I still think that the touch is just so Oddly not there. And when I watched Desmond Ritter in his tape over the last two years, I think he reads the field really well. I think his mechanics are very clean, whether it's his feet all the way up to his throwing motion. I think all of that is really great. And with that being the case, I still see him miss throws that he, that he can't be missing, not just at the college level, but at the NFL level. And I, 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 I'm not out here saying that Desmond Ritter's a bum. I, I don't believe that. But when I look at the rest of his quarterback class, and especially when I look at spending a first round pick on him, 
he just did not show me that he's a first round pick. And that's kind of like where I am with him. Sam Howe, I get a maybe because I think he's a big time gunslinger, kind of a quarterback, but he too needs to work on how he's looking at defenses, how he's adjusting to pressure. You know, his, his last two years at UNC were so vastly different. I'm not exactly sure what his timeline is going to be to be a starter in the NFL. I think it's going to be a little bit longer than people think. And especially when you have that deep ball gunslinger mentality, like you're going to throw a decent amount of picks as a rookie. Like, is he going to be able to mentally handle that? Can he get over it? And then I would draft Matt Corral because I think I like Matt Corral the most, but I have the most, I have a ton of questions about him too, because he was in a very heavy RPO offense that was designed by Lane Kiffin. And Lane Kiffin offenses are extremely easy for quarterbacks. So that's not to say that if you take Matt Corral out of a Lane Kiffin offense, he's guaranteed to be bad. That's not the case. It's just a question mark. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what Matt Corral will be in the NFL. I don't know how quickly he can pick up another playbook, another offense that's maybe not as friendly, that maybe demands a little bit more from him when it comes to hanging in the pocket, scanning the field, going through progressions, all that kinds of stuff. So I have some reservations about all three, but I think I would tell you if you're if you're going from 11, you're trading down a little bit, and all three of those guys are on the board, I think my first option would be Matt Corral. My second option would be Sam Howell. My third option would be Desmond Ritter. I hear you. I, I'm fascinated by how just because he, he he seemed to fall off when all his playmakers went away and how much can scouts determine if that how much of a factor that was and maybe not enough because I've heard some uh, enough negatives as well about decision making and other things. But it is sort of an interesting variable. Uh, he did lose a lot of guys who went and played in the NFL and it's not right. easy to oh, for any quarterback. All of a sudden you lose your playmakers uh, to, to figure things out. Um, Last question the top of the draft like it's weird that you can sort of tell how this top this year the top of the draft doesn't seem that exciting because i don't even feel that compelled to ask you about it but i feel like maybe we 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 we, we, we should um who's a, who at the top of the board uh, I, you want to say who you think will goes number one to jacksonville it's fine but who, which of those guys at the top of the board for you is the most uh exciting uh, if you ask me this every day, I think it would probably be a different answer, but I do think that it is an exciting draft in the sense that we don't know who's going number one overall. I think all three tackles are uh, in play for number one overall, Charles Cross, Icky Aquano, and Evan Neal. I would say the Icky Aquano and Evan Neal have a better chance of going number one overall. And then of course, you've got the two edge rushers as well. Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson. I think the most likely is either Hutchinson or Neal. I, I still believe it's going to come down to one of those two. I think both of them are deserving, especially in this class. Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame is awesome. I just don't know if the safety is going to go number one overall, especially after all the defensive backs that um, the Jacksonville drafted last year, or just recently, I would say, even going beyond last year. So I think it's going to be between Evan Neal and Aiden Hutchinson. I think I'd bet on Evan Neal, but I, like I said, if you ask me this question every day, my answer might be a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, it feels a little safe, but I mean, it's not just this guy you're protecting the other guy, the guy you just spent the number one pick on last year. And ultimately right. to me, that's what matters right. here the most. They already had the chaotic season last year with Urban Meyer. They can't let another year go without getting Trevor Lawrence right. headed in the right direction and protecting him would be a good first start. So that to me, whether it's Neal or the NC State kid, that's up for you you in the scouting world to debate but that to me is that's the way i would go yep i would agree uh trevor man look you, i really do appreciate it go follow him on twitter at 
Tampa Bay Trey, T-R-E, go read them in Pro Football Focus. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. And, and, and just to be clear, when I tell you guys the same thing about quarterback, I have backing now. Don't, don't, don't hate on these veterans, even if they're not that exciting. It's not it's not it's not their fault that the, the draft is somewhat underwhelming. Unless you're wrong, unless unless we're both wrong, then, ah, well, uh, then you then you never heard it from us. Then, ah, you no. never, then, then you never heard it from. No, us. no, no. Well, the, we, we I have I have a an, an immediate uh, kill switch on all these episodes when Kenny Pickett <laughs> becomes a Pro Bowler. No, that won't happen. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Of course, Ben. Anytime. All right. Many thanks to Trevor Sikama for his time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. Back with more this week. I promise you that. Free agency is around the corner. We're going to start diving into that. Plenty to discuss. And every day now, we could start getting news, um, rumors or, or actual news about this team, about other things pertinent to this team. So be sure to check me out on Twitter at Ben Standing and stay, stay on top of things at The Athletic and here on the podcast. That's it for now. Ben Standing signing off. Until next time.